When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Episode of Pod Life, a Raven. The high-pitched voice is back, Tim. I'm excited. It is time for the Ravens' full season preview. We have a lot to talk about. I'm Antonio Barbera, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts. First of all, I mentioned Tim. Tim Horsey on the East Coast. Tim, I'm coming into you positive. I'm coming into you hot with excitement, because some of the stuff is less exciting that we have to talk about today, but I'm just coming in full season preview. How jacked up are you about the Ravens 2021? No, I'm doing terrible, man. The, the, I, I, sorry, I'm going to completely deflate you. Uh, the Ravens lost J.K. Dobbins, so I'm doing bad. We'll put it that way simply before we expound. And on the West Coast, Jace Evans. Jace, any optimism? Well, we have a, we have a record-setting football team, Antonio, uh, but it's one of those things, was it worth it? We won. But at what cost? Uh, I think this episode, uh, you know, the stages of grief. I think there's going to be a lot of bargaining uh, in the early, uh, the early going of this episode. So, uh, yeah, I'm ready to dive into it. No, just rip the bandaid off, I suppose. Jace, Tim, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. We're going to get through this. We will be talking about the Ravens' final preseason game, dominating win, 37 to three over the Washington Football Team. Got a couple of news and notes to, to touch on as well, and then we are going to do the Ravens season-long preview before we get into some over-unders that we like across the NFL. So a lot to get into, so let's just get into it. 20 straight wins for the Ravens in the preseason. They will never lose a preseason game again, seemingly. They're 3-0 preseason over. But at what cost? Guys, as Tim mentioned, J.K. Dobbins, what in what may have been maybe his last play of the game, it was the first quarter, ACL tear for him, and he is just out for the season. So we're going to do a minute here, guys, and try to wrap our heads around the impact of this long-term for the season, for this Ravens. I 30 seconds for me is just, obviously, it's a disaster in terms of 
him being maybe the player we were most excited about looking at this roster, one of the best playmakers on this team outside of Lamar Jackson, and a guy where it just seemed like everything was coming, coming up J.K. Dobbins for the season. He was like sort of this darling in terms of, uh, you know, over-under touchdowns for the season, rushing yards and all that thing. But I maintain my final thing here. I do not think this is going to greatly impact wins and losses at the end of the day. I don't think... With the replacement running back, you have Gus Edwards, who's already there. You have now Tyson Williams. Big shot opportunity for his entire career will be this season and how he performs. He's looked great in the postseason. And I just don't know how many real losses uh, you have to add to this team now because of the loss of a one of the running backs. Um, I w- what is the value of that? Half of a game? Half of a loss, maybe? But... I think Gus Bus is going to continue doing what he does. I think Tyson Williams basically stay healthy and, and flash here and there. Um, and I think the running game still succeeds around the structure that this team has and, and just the how the system works based on whoever you have in the backfield. I turn to you guys now, who I assume are going to say that it's a, a much bigger issue for this team moving forward. How bad is it? It's a much bigger issue for this team moving forward. Um, I I think J.K. does something that nobody else on this Ravens roster does. You even watch in preseason. He makes guys miss. And obviously, I know Lamar does too, but I'm talking about from a running back position. Um, I think for a team that runs the ball as much as the Baltimore Ravens, I think this is a significant blow. I think if you have this same running back room, and you know, one could argue that you probably wouldn't, for a team that doesn't run the ball like the Ravens do, where the stats are even even crazier than Wink's blitz numbers, like they run significantly more than anybody else in the National Football League, to have a guy who they could say 1 and 1A all they wanted, and, and we love Gus Bus on this podcast, do not get me wrong, J.K. was the number one running back on this team, and he was going to be the weapon X next to Lamar Jackson. And losing that, not only, not only are you losing all of his production, not only are you losing everything that he brought from a uh, pass-catching uh, standpoint, which is something that he worked on in the offseason. We saw all the training camp videos. He, I think he mossed uh, Patrick Queen and or Marlon Humphrey at one point, and that kind of went, quote-unquote, viral across Ravens Twitter. I am not going to sit here and try and def- not defend it because – I think you you still play him in the preseason game anyway. We're not going to have that argument because I think it's hindsight's twenty twenty. But I'm not going to sit here and say that this doesn't impact the Ravens in the slightest. I think it is absolutely has a massive impact on what they can do offensively, on how they can line him up, and also fatigue. I think fatigue is, is a big thing in terms of the workload that you're going to have to give two running backs now and Tyson Williams – and uh, Gus Edwards, anything that you have from Justice Hill, I believe, is a massive drop-off compared to what you would have gotten from J.K. Dobbins. And I think one of the things that makes Gus Edwards so great is that teams can't explicitly prepare for him. In that, And they still, obviously, they have to prepare for Lamar, and Lamar is just a crazy nightmare for any defensive coordinators. But then they also had J.K., and then they also had Gus Bus. So when you bring in these two kind of shifty guys in Lamar and J.K., Edwards was the battering ram 
who would just use and abuse defenders. And I'm not saying that he still won't do that. But I think with an increased role, I don't think that he's going to... I don't think it's just going to be him's going to replicate the numbers JK would, and him would have had combined. I think it's going to be a significant drop-off from what you would have gotten from the both of them. And I think Gus's game struggles a little bit when he's not the change of pace back. You think of a change of pace back as your scat back. In this offense, it was Gus Edwards battering the ball down your throat. Whether he started the series, whether he was the fourth quarter guy to really wear a defense out, I don't think he's as effective when you have to give him a bigger workload just because of his style of play. And that really, really concerns me. I think, uh, <laughs> not, not to purposely go middle of the road here, but I think I kind of fall in between uh, both you guys in terms of how this uh, impacts the 2021 season. I agree with Antonio that in the sense that I, I do think, you know, Greg Roman's offense, he's always created good running uh, rushing offenses. And I think he's going to be able to scheme it up. And they're going to have a productive running game. Tim, as you mentioned, Lamar Jackson still there. The Ravens' actual leading rusher each of the last two seasons uh, on the ground. So from that perspective, I agree with Antonio that um, I think they can overcome the loss of J.K. Dobbins in the regular season. Where I think I disagree slightly is I do think that uh, the loss of Dobbins lowers the ceiling on this uh, of this team. I, I think we kind of, you know, I think rightfully probably viewed him as a potentially really special player. You look at that six yards of carry average uh, from his rookie year, and you kind of salivate about, well, what could he do, you know, if he does get 200 carries, 250 carries a year, uh, how special could he be? And I think, you know, we don't know. And now we're not going to find out, and that's what's really disappointing. And I, I, I think... You know, if he he had the potential to be as, you know, dynamic, as game-changing as we thought, I think, or at least hoped he could be, uh, you know, I think that is what could, you know, swing playoff games, uh, swing, uh, you know, whether this team ends up winning the Super Bowl or not. So in that perspective, I think it is a big deal just because you you lose such a a high-end guy who was going to be you know, a focal point of this offense. And I will get to previewing later, uh, but spoiler alert, I think we're still going to be very run heavy uh, this season based on the events uh, that have occurred with the, the wideouts in the preseason here. So I, I do think it's a big issue in that regard. And I, I think overall it, 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 it's unfortunate. It does limit the ceiling. I'm, I'm actually with Tim. I, I don't disagree with playing him. He only played 23 plays in the preseason. He got the ball 10 times, uh, according to Jameson Hensley of ESPN. Um, And this was their game, right? This was the first game Ronnie Stanley plays. This was their game to briefly show that their offense is functioning ahead of the regular season. Uh, And it was a fluke. It wasn't even, you know, the FedEx field turf wasn't what did it. It kind of, he just, he planted his foot and he took a hit uh, low in the wrong place. And it's unfortunate, but... Back to the bargaining, if we're thinking of positives, I remember, I'm old enough to remember a Ravens running back who tore his ACL in his second season 20 years ago, and he came back and he rushed for over 2,000 yards uh, two seasons later, so uh, I think, believe he had like 1,300 yards a year after that, so prayers up, J.K. Dobbins, let's recover, let's let's get after it in 2022, uh, and, uh, you know, just hope he makes a, you know, a clean recovery. 
Yeah, that I don't doubt. I, I, you know, medical science now, and the guy's clearly motivated. Like, I'm not worried about him coming back in 2022. But for this year, I think the point to stress that Jace just nailed there is so important of, I don't think this makes the Ravens miss the playoffs if they were going to make it. I don't think this is a even win the division versus not. Maybe that's the level you start talking about. I think this is a win the Super Bowl or not win the Super Bowl type of move with J.K. Dobbins. I really do. I think he's that special. I think by the end of the year, we'd be looking at him, and he's one of the top five most important Ravens on the roster. Um, By the end of the season, I think he was primed for that type of year. And so maybe that's why I'm feeling as pessimistic as I am, because I thought he was was going to be incredibly special this season. And now that has been ripped away from him, and that's really, really unfortunate um, for him before anybody else, before us, before the, the team, before anybody, obviously. Um, just one more quick thing too, and I know it's a preseason commentary and I know I'm, I'm already here and the regular season's not even here yet. And I'm complaining about commentators. I didn't need to hear it after every single play. Anytime the Ravens had like a 15 yard gain, Jerry and the boys would be like, well, it's a 15 yard gain. It's a bright spot for the Ravens. Of course, if you didn't remember, there's a really dark spot in the first quarter where JK Dobbins, it looks like he might be out for the year. Tyler Huntley, his fifth touchdown. What a play by Tyler Huntley. He's really showing up tonight. You know who didn't show up tonight? That's J.K. Dobbins because he shredded his knee. Thank you, Jerry. I didn't need it throughout the broadcast. And that, I mean, look, you got to report the news. I get it. But if you're a Ravens fan in the fourth quarter of the third preseason game, you know what just happened to J.K. Dobbins a few hours before. I didn't need to be reminded the entire time. Yeah, kick, kick in you while you're down. <laughs> oh, just over and over again, man. Uh, that may have been one of those things where they assume that most of the viewers are not the three of us who are as tuned into this game for the whole three hours of it and people turning it on for 10 minutes and they need to make sure that they tell that person in that 10 minutes because they don't have the internet so they won't find it somewhere else in the next five minutes. Uh, the last thing about J.K. Dobbins, uh, that it, the bummer aspect, and I'll just to add on top of this, is for a team whose wide receiving core does not have a lot of playmakers, but their playmakers exist in the backfield, including Lamar Jackson. Losing one of those is a shame. Uh, Hope to see J.K. Dobbins, boy, next season. That's a long way away for him, unfortunately. And we will see how the other guys pick up the slack, all having to move up one respective slot on the depth chart uh, at running back. Guys, Lamar played in this game. Couple of snaps, couple of throws. Couple of sacks. He he looked rusty. He looked like a guy who hadn't played competitive football in several months, but good to see him out there for exactly the number of plays that he was out there for. Huntley came in. Tim mentioned five touchdowns. Uh, what did you guys think of his performance in terms of, I mean, he was probably already the number two, but really just solidifying that spot and maybe giving us slightly more uh, confidence in a game where he has to start if Lamar's out or gets COVID or... Uh, takes a vacation and disappears for a week or has, you know, explosive diarrhea. Yeah. I, I, I think Huntley has, has his stock has risen so highly and probably too high within the Ravens community over this preseason, because, you know, people are just desperate for football and the guy is balled out in every single game and you love to see it. Um, just quickly on Lamar, not a ton to see. I, I think, I think Antonio, you're dead on. I thought the corner route to Mark Andrews was incredibly promising It's a deep throw outside the numbers where everybody says he can't throw deep outside the numbers. He just threw deep outside the numbers. So please shut up. He can throw that ball. We just need to throw it more often. Um, 
and the sacks were concerning, and you could tell they concerned Harbaugh too. As soon as J.K. was out, uh, Lamar got sacked again, and he went, "Yeah, yeah, your night is done, buddy. Sorry." Um, but I'm on um, Huntley. I am, and I think we said this last week too. But simply, the guy is Lamar Light. Obviously, he's not as good, but he's got that same playmaking type ability. He wasn't trying to do too much, but we saw more. And, you know, you could call it bad defense from Washington, whatever. And you could, if you want to break down the all 22 and like go back and and really look at that stuff, it seemed like he was taking a few more shots down the field as compared to the other two games where it was a lot of check down stuff. And yeah, he only had like what five incompletions or something, but they were all, but everything was under, underneath. So it was kind of like, all right, well, it was impressive stat wise, but I'm not really sure. He showed he's got some some stuff, and he's he's definitely got a cannon on on that uh, right shoulder of his. He can whip the ball around, and I mean you nailed it, Antonio. I am against the very best teams, no. But if Lamar has to miss a game and we're playing, I don't even have the schedule in front of me. But say it's even the level of like an indie, I'm like you know, defense shows up, running game shows up. Huntley doesn't do anything stupid. They could win this game, and that is exactly what you want out of your backup quarterback. Yeah, there's, like, degrees of backups, right, in the NFL. Like, some guys are, like, legitimate 1-1-As. And just the way for a team like the Ravens that are so built around, you know, one guy on offense, kind of, like, they are more or less with Lamar Jackson. Um, You know, you're going to have a fall off at the backup quarterback spot. But I think, to your guys' point, like, I think Huntley's been really impressive. And I, I personally wouldn't bother trying to roster three quarterbacks this year i don't know if you all have opinions on that but it just seems to me like i think huntley's done enough that if you can you know open up that extra spot that's so important and we saw with a guy like dobbins going down you might have to need another running back you might you know this and that so i think huntley's been impressive enough to to secure the the number two spot no questions asked for sure yeah, the fear, they want to have three quarterbacks in the building, but the fear of not having McSorley on the roster is that he won't clear waivers to then go on the practice squad. I am not concerned about Trace <laughs> McSorley not clearing waivers, and I don't understand the hesitation by the Ravens on this. Uh, and just have him on the practice squad. Have you know when, when something happens to one of the two quarterbacks, you can then call him up for the game that he needs to be there for a guy who knows the system. I don't know. I would... I think that's too valuable of a spot at this point. You have two healthy guys who, as Tim mentioned, have the sort of similar, you can plug uh, Huntley right in. I was surprised, as Tim said, with the cannon. He has an arm and also nice touch on a couple of these deep throws. Two of them were completed for touchdowns and he even had a third one that went through one one of the sort of low receivers names. I'm still working on all these numbers between like five and 20. It might have been Deion Kane or something had it go right through his hands, and it was a, a great throw to the sidelines. So I'm uh, I'm feeling pretty good about Huntley, and I would feel pretty good about McSorley having absolutely no problem making his way to the Ravens practice squad. A couple of other names, Tyson Williams I mentioned at the top. A couple of nice runs from him. He had a strong uh, yard per carry average throughout this game. Benjamin Victor, tall, wide receiver, Maybe could steal Boykin's role on this roster. He had a really nice day in a game where he, one of those fringe guys who had to show it in this last preseason game, 
James Prochet. We asked for it, and, and he delivered a little bit uh, for us. Uh, and then Dalen Hayes was another guy that I saw that I think is getting better and better. He could be one of those guys where two years from now, three years from now, it's we remember how late he was drafted. I think it's possible that by midseason he's getting more defensive snaps than not uh, on this team. He's looked really, really... Uh, I mean, I don't want to... Wise is sort of a corny word, but he just looks like he's learning things very quickly and has those little nuances that for a rookie is unusual. Uh, so yeah, a couple of guys that I liked. What else uh, What else did you guys like from this from this game? Players that you think uh, maybe made this team or solidified a spot? Well, so yeah, Tyson Williams, um, basically kind of by default with J.K. Dobbins' injury, but I think more than you know, uh, earned on his own right. We talked about how impressed we've been, I think, with him multiple times on this show now. Uh, but John Harbaugh said today via James and Hensley, uh, they were asked if Tyson Williams, uh, or he was asked if Tyson Williams would make the 53-man roster, and Harbaugh said, you do the math. He's there. He'll be out there playing, and he's ready to go. He's practiced every day, and he's excited about his opportunity. So... They're still, you know, locking in the 53-man roster uh, today as we record and uh, cut-down day, you know, fast approaching here. But, uh, um, but yeah, Tyson Williams basically going to be on this team and seemingly the, you know, second <laughs> uh, pure running back. Maybe Justice Hill hangs on in that third role because of his special teams <laughs> abilities. But, yeah, uh, Tyson Williams going to be on this team and, you know, a, a strong preseason for him. And I, I hope he's able to... To, to carry it carry it forward and maybe even be a little more productive when he has theoretically the starting offensive line uh, in front of him there. So uh, yeah, I, I was very encouraged to, uh, and uh, happy to see him basically you know make the team. Well, it's funny. All you needed to see really was after Dobbins' injury, Tyson didn't play anymore. Yeah, he they... only had four four carries for forty two yards on the night. By the way, a ten and a half yard average per carry, uh, which is not bad. Um, I'm very excited for him. I think it's. He is very much like Gus Edwards, which worries me. Again, talking about guys that do different stuff, especially when you're rotating him through. But look, you got to play with the cards you're dealt. And if you're just going to have two bruisers back there, why not? Just run it down their throat over and over and over again. I talk about how that's how I I like it anyway. So, you know, sign me up. That's karma. Uh, Prochet. Prochet made his play. We talked about it last week. I talked about it here. I said practice numbers are great. I'm sure the coaches see that. That's fine. They account for everything. Me as a fan want you to see you make a play. And boy, did he. Mossing a man, getting his helmet ripped off. And you know what? I'd take that taunting penalty because it was a hell of a catch. Four catches, 52 yards, and that touchdown as we talked about. So that was uh, fantastic for me. I don't have any defensive players really that stood out. So I'm glad you mentioned Dalen Hayes. I got to bring it up because we've talked about him enough on this podcast. Ben Cleveland showed up. Big as advertised. Didn't look like he was wearing shoulder pads. And obviously, <laughs> he's become a bit of a myth already in the uh, the Ravens lore and Ravens media, as it were, just because he is legitimately a mountain of a man. And so they had to put the lower third up with all of these special things about Ben Cleveland. Get to know Ben Cleveland. And I immediately texted our the first reference of the Podlicker Raven text group here for the 2021-2022 season. I texted the boys here because one of these facts... Just blew my mind. I said, please remind me that one of Ben Cleveland's life goals, this is, this is from the broadcast, is to learn guitar so he can one day play the iconic tune Simple Man by Leonard Skinner. Don't we all, Mr. Cleveland? Don't we all? I, I just, I can't love him anymore. I can't love him anymore. Um, so 
I, it, I like seeing him play. From the little that we got to watch of him, he was moving dudes around. Nice to see, but I mean, he. One of my life goals is to learn guitar so I can play "Simple Man" by Skinner. That is a man after my own heart, and again, I'm so excited that he's a Raven. I assume his thumb is about as wide as a fretboard of a guitar, so he would need like just the biggest guitar ever made to be able to actually play anything. But yeah, good on you, Ben Cleveland. Let's see. Uh, let's see some lessons uh, in the off season, though not not during during the season. Aside uh, from the the last name, I feel like Ben Cleveland was like made in a lab like the algorithm to be tim's favorite football player <laughs> uh, yeah pretty much i mean outside of the name cleveland like they, they had to it's like they had to do the one horrible trait because everything else <laughs> yeah was you just couldn't plus, max plus, everything plus. out <laughs> yeah everything was like if you create a character everything's 99 99 99 so they had to go one that was zero and that's his last name is the worst city in america but that's okay he's gonna get some all pro vo- maybe the world who knows He's going to get some all-pro votes in his years, and finally he'll decide to legally change his name to a much better city in the city of Baltimore. And it'll just look better on the back of the jersey. We know that. My last note from this game, again, 37-3. to A testament to the Ravens' depth. I mean, they've won 20 of these preseason games in a row, but by the time it was second stringers against second stringers and then third string against third string, the Ravens were just better all over the field, and that's why you had this score the way it is. Huntley with five total touchdowns. The Dobbins thing was obviously the the number one talking point from this game, but as a team, as a roster, hopefully this much of a blowout gives this team a nice boost heading into uh, heading into week one, which is a few weeks away now, just two weeks away as we record this. That's all That's all we really have to talk about from this game specifically. couple of little news and notes here uh, before we get into the random Raven. A trade. Uh, and at what was at first maybe puzzling or even a little disappointing trade that then ended up making sense with uh, looking at the roster and the numbers. Rookie cornerback Sean Wade traded to the Patriots, oh brother, for a seventh round pick in, next, in I should say, this year's or the 2022 draft, and then a fifth-round pick in the 2023 draft uh, from Jameson Hensley for ESPN. Uh, Wade, a fifth-round pick out of Ohio State, was not going to make the Ravens' 53-man roster next week after being passed on the depth chart by Chris Westry. The Ravens decided to get some picks for Wade because they figured he would not clear waivers and make it to their practice squad. A guy that we liked, I think, after the draft, Tim, if I remember, you had had sort of looked at him and reviewed him and thought he had really good potential. A shame that he is not going to make this team. Good to get draft picks. I'm positive he's going to make a Pro Bowl with the New England Patriots, and that's what's really going to annoy me. But uh, what are you guys' thoughts on on this preseason trade? Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. He's going to be good for the Pats, and that's just old, pessimistic Ravens brain talking, of course. Uh, Wade, if you don't remember... Kind of a bad year at Ohio State last year, but he was asked to play on the outside in his junior year or sophomore year, the year before last, whatever it was. He was in the slot primarily, and that's when he was very good. Uh, so they figured kind of the Ravens, hey, he can be kind of a backup slot option should Tavon Young go down. A lot of people brought up the same point, as they should. Well, if Tavon Young goes down, Marlon Humphrey's playing in the slot, and he's better than anybody in the slot. So we're just going to keep him there. That's fine. It's a loaded room. The simple thing is, if, if, if they don't think he's going to make the team or, you know, in fact, no, he's not going to make the team, get some value for him. You know, they, they turned that seventh-round pick they got from the Patriots the next day 
They traded that and Greg Manx, who was in a center who wasn't going to make the team, sent him to the Dolphins for a sixth-round pick. I mean, it's just EDC being EDC. Like, he, he knows these guys aren't going to make the team, so he might as well get something for them. I don't care what it is. It's something. And that's how he operates. We talked about it. You know, he said, what was it, this season and next season, he wants it to combine 20 draft picks. I believe right now he has 10 in this year's draft after spending 10 in last year's draft. So he's right on that number if that's what he really wants. Um they're just lottery tickets to him. That's how he operates. That's how the Ravens have been so successful. So you can't really fault him for it. An interesting note on this that is coming across the wires just as we record this podcast. Manx, who was a center, who was on the Ravens uh, roster, obviously I just said sent to the Dolphins. They have just cut Matt Sakura. Um, a sad possibly end to Matt Sakura's career uh, after that knee injury. It looks like unless somebody else takes a flyer on him, that might be his days numbered in the NFL, which is sad. But... To, to bring it back to these trades here, yeah. It, it is simply the Ravens getting value for guys that they would have gotten nothing for, so it's tough to be mad about it. Yeah, it's not really surprising. You didn't hear much about Wade, I feel like, all pre- the, the early preseason games throughout, you know, uh, camp, uh, training camp. You hadn't heard many stories about him or much of him doing anything, so that's not surprising. You know, maybe you wish they hit a little more on a fifth-round pick, but... You know, if you know he's not up to it or not going to make your team, it, you know, as Tim said, it can't hurt to cut bait. Uh, but as you both said, uh, the thing that concerns me is trading him to the New England Patriots because I, I just look at that and I say, what does Bill Belichick see that we don't see? <laughs> and that concerns me a little bit. But outside of that, as Tim said, probably just pessimistic uh, Ravens brand. But whenever Belichick wants someone, I always pause and say, well, why does... Why does he want this guy, and why are we giving him up? So that's my only minor concern. But, uh, yeah, to Tim's point, I think, or your point, Antonio, Wade almost certainly will make a Pro Bowl, but <laughs> he wasn't going to make this uh, Ravens team, so I-, I get the move in that regard. And the fact that the Patriots gave two picks for this type of player tells me that maybe there were other offers from other teams, but lesser offers than this, which is sort of like, well, if you can't keep him on your roster, why don't you cut him, or why don't you have him go through waivers and we'll get him then? So this meant the Patriots had interest, offered a second pick, so it's officially terrifying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> elsewhere around the Ravens, uh, Nick Boyle. Jace, I know you have uh, a little bit of news for us. He, had, he hadn't really played that much, practiced that much, as he recovered from his injury. You have some news uh, that just came up very recently about Boyle and, and how he's looking for the start of the season. Yeah, so he's been activated from the uh, physically unable to perform list, the PUP list, uh, which means he can with, uh, return uh, within the first six weeks of the season, I believe. Um, and it doesn't sound like he's going to be ready for the season. Uh, John Harbaugh via Jamison Hensley today said, literally direct quote, I don't anticipate him being ready for the first game. Uh, but he said, I do ant- uh, anticipate him being ready early in the season. So they expect him to come back. We won't see him in week one in all likelihood, um, against the Raiders, but, uh, that's promising. It it means we'll see them, you know, before, uh, before November, which is good, uh, at the, at the latest. So, uh, that's encouraging. We need Nick Boyle. He's very important to what the Ravens do. Uh, if you're not going to have a guy like JK Dobbins, it helps to just have more, uh, open running lanes, which, which, you know, as a tight end, Nick Boyle does about as well as any tight end in the league. So, 
Yeah, uh, I'd say in, encouraging news. You you know, in a perfect world, he'd be a hundred percent ready to go for week one. But he suffered that injury late in the year, so uh, for him to even be you know back, it'll be within a year since his injury when he returns. So that's you know very encouraging news. And with that, at least to start the season, I do wonder how that impacts the tight ends that will start on the roster at the beginning of the season. That tells me. Maybe it's a situation where instead of Oliver or Tomlinson, it's both of them to start at least. We'll see, obviously, behind uh, Andrews as the number one tight end because they're going to be using a couple of them. But uh, I have been impressed with uh, with Oliver as his preseason has, has gone along. Would like to see him uh, make this team as you can block and pass catch, but Tomlinson certainly they liked him. They like what they saw last year from him as a, uh, as a blocker. So we'll see how that shakes out and hopefully get Boyle Sooner rather than rather than later, uh, miss him as a blocker on that on that line. Uh, all right, so I'm gonna do the random Raven. I'm up this week, and then we're gonna turn to the uh, Raven season long previews. So let me pull up my uh, my little clues here. All right, if you guys are ready, this random Raven played for Baltimore for four seasons from 2002 to 2005. He was drafted by Baltimore in the second round in 2002 out of Notre Dame. He played 57 games for the Ravens, starting 54 of them, and had 144 tackles, 23 tackles for loss, and 14 and a half sacks with the team. He was top 10 on the team in uh, AV, which is uh, Pro Football References sort of like equalizing stat to give a number to all the different players and how they performed. He was top 10 on the team in AV in his first three seasons with the team, and then he was hurt for the majority of his fourth season. So he was uh, prominently involved. I didn't realize he was this sort of uh, successful, let's say, with the Ravens, but one of the higher-rated players on this team. He played three more seasons for the Texans, starting in another 44 games. He wore the number 98. And then I have one other... I have a bonus clue... That I'm save it. Save for the end of the episode. I think at least one of my co-hosts has a name. Tim. Tim has a thought. Jace is looking up to the heavens for some more information up there. I might. You know, it's funny. I had this one early. I had this one early, and I don't know, Jace. And you know, no offense to you, but I feel like you experienced this more so than even Antonio and I combined. Of, I had when he said Notre Dame, I was like, oh yeah, it could. It was him. How do I know that? <laughs> Why do I know that? Why? Why? There is no reason for me to know this shred of information that I probably learned in 2005, and it just popped back into my brain 16 years later. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm pretty fairly confident that I got who this guy is. I'll, I'll have to wait for your your bonus clue later, but I think I have an idea. Uh, I didn't get it right till the very end there. No. For the... Listener, uh, if you don't know it after the bonus clue, then you got to do more. You got to be more of a Ravens fan. I'm, I'm calling you out. If you don't know it after the bonus clue, then I'm going to give at the end of the episode. Then we uh, we need to talk because you got to start doing more more Ravens homework. All right, guys, we're recording this. It's August 30th. We are exactly two weeks away from the Ravens Monday Night Football opener. In oh my God, last. Vegas, there are whispers, there are whispers throughout the league that all three of us may be in Las Vegas for the game. 
Obviously, we're ready uh, for a thousand different reasons for this NFL season to start, for the Ravens season to start, for Las Vegas to be available. Uh, we're, we're all trying to, trying to get there. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about this team looking forward through the whole season. I have a couple of questions for you guys. Just riff. Go where you want uh, as, we, as we look at this team. Some Vegas lines. Speaking of Vegas, before we get into it, the over-under on this team for wins is 11. Obviously, you can look different places. Some have 10.5, some have 11.5, but we're sort of averaging it out. I've seen 11 in most places. They're 14-1. and one. Uh, 14, excuse me, 14 to 1 uh, odds in terms of winning the Super Bowl, which I was actually surprised after the Dobbins injury that there was no movement on any of these uh, odds. I thought they would maybe a little bit, but still 14 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. They're plus 750 to win the AFC. They're plus 115 to win the AFC North. So that means you bet $100 uh, to win 115 for them to win the AFC North. To make the playoffs, they're minus 300. Pretty uh, bad odds for that. Vegas likes uh, Baltimore to at least make the playoffs. And they're plus 225 to miss the playoffs. So we look at this team with that number 11 out of 17 games. Vegas predicting an 11-6 and record for this team. But let's start offensively, defensively. Big picture. How do you think the offense will perform? How do you think the defense will perform as the Ravens tackle this 17-game season? I'll start positively. I am I'm incredibly high on the defense right now. Um, I don't know if it's them beating the brakes off of everybody in preseason. That certainly helps. I don't know if it's looking at this team and just going, yeah, depth, uh, yep, okay. Yeah, that guy can come in and play there if you need to. I mean, the secondary is loaded. The Ravens do not... The, the one thing we didn't mention was Sean Wade. The Ravens do not get rid of rookies. But draft, picks is, draft picks is what I mean. Almost never. The secondary is that good and that talented. And even though they have been that injured over the last couple of seasons, they're still like, yeah, we don't need it. And, you know, obviously injuries is the one thing that could derail any of this. So we can just throw that out there as the caveat now. And then everybody can have the same conversation. I love this defense and how they're built. I love Wink Martindale. The, I wish he was my fun uncle. I just, I'm uh, <laughs> desperate for him to be at my Thanksgivings for, or playing on Thanksgiving and watching uncle Wink out there on the field, just fist bumping with his gold chain, his mullet hanging out, having a great time. I, I love the, the de- defensive line depth. Obviously you got your guys in the front line, Brandon Williams, steady Eddie, Calais Campbell, Derek Wolf. And then you guys, you have guys like Justin Matabuke who look pretty good come behind him. We, you talked about Dalen Hayes. Adafi Owe looks good, too. Justin Houston is on this football team, if we forget, and has been mentoring those guys, and they can all rotate with Tyus Bowser playing the Sam. You know, we record this on a Monday. Cuts are happening Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, so hopefully a guy like Pernell McPhee is still on the team. If he is, that's another strong rotational option at, at uh, outside linebacker. And then Patty Queen and Malik Harrison have done nothing but show me that they are ready to be the starting linebackers. And as we talked about last week, the Ravens love Chris Board. So there's your depth issue there. Um, it's a little bit of a joke. They like him. I like him. It's fine. Uh, and, and then the secondary, the safeties. We talked about the Sean Elliott at length last week. If you missed that, you can listen back to last week's episode about how I think he's going to be a stud this year. So defensively, and Jace, I'll just throw it to you before we get into the offense here. So I'm not just rambling. Defensively, 
this team, and I know lack of pass rushing, and we're I'm sure we're going to talk about it. There's no T.J. Watt or whatever, or you know they could have had like a Chandler Jones or whatever it is to have like the elite of the elite guy. I think this te- this defense has a real real chance to be the best defense in the league. Yeah, I am a hundred percent with you. I think it's uh, on paper. My similar to you, my only real question mark is sort of. Uh, the, the, the pass rush, but you know, if OA can produce anything, uh, if Justin Houston is kind of the same player, uh, he's been, that should even be improved over what it was last year. I think this, to your point, Tim, I think it could be one of the best defenses in the league. It was statistically last year, which is weird to think about as much as we complained about them. Uh, but old man yells at defense. Yeah, but I, I agree with you. I think this could be, you know, the best defense of the Lamar era. Really, Jimmy Smith. We, you know, we talk about the injuries. Jimmy Smith is kind of the only guy dealing with injuries, but that's kind of, you know, that's the deal. A with tradition Jimmy's. unlike any yeah, other. Yeah, it's, it's what you expect with Jimmy Smith. So who knows when he'll be back, but hopefully he comes back soon because we like Jimmy Smith here. He's one of the, you know, longest tenured Ravens at this point. Um, but, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I, I, I think top to bottom this is one of the best defenses they fielded in, uh, to, in the Lamar era. And we, we've talked on and off uh, – in the preseason in the group chat about how the Ravens might be a defensive team again. And I think that uh, could very well play into, um, I mean, I can't speak for all of us, I guess, but at least certainly I guess what I expect from the offense, which is uh, kind of more of the same, which, you know, is okay, but I think might disappoint some. Um, and Tony, I guess before we dive too far deep into that rabbit hole, if you had any defensive thoughts you wanted to get before, uh, I think we start maybe the negative side of the Ravens I mean, I, preview. I'm not going to sort of blow anybody's mind here, but there's just a lot of dudes on this team. I'm looking So at the many second, dudes. I'm looking at the second, straight, the second lineup, and they can almost field... 11 guys on a second lineup that I think would be a pretty good defense. I mean, it's sort of a question mark as to where Justin Houston is now. Is he like a day one starter? I'm not sure that he is. Pernell McPhee, Tim, I'm not, I'm not, I didn't know. Is he a bubble guy? I sort of saw him as like, they love him. He might start week one just because he's like a system, knows the system well and is a veteran. Well, he could definitely be that for sure. But they were talking about on the broadcast and I thought it was a pretty good point of, it might come down to him or like a Jalen Ferguson. And Wink Martindale loves Jalen Ferguson. I know Antonio's giving me the what the hell are we talking no, about. No, no, no. That's the, that's the situation for this defense. Yeah. That Pernell right. McPhee, who could start, might also get beat out by a young guy that the coaching staff really, really likes. They have a lot of depth. They have a lot of strong players. It seemed like yesterday that they were beefing up the defensive line out of desperation with Calais Campbell and Derek Wolf in the offseason, and now they have subs for those two guys that are going to push them for snaps. I think this defense, I mean, it's they gave up 18 points per game last year, and I think they could, which is crazy to me, in the, the year of our Lord 2020, that this team was giving up under 20 points per game, and they may be better than that this year. I'm into it. Jay, so run with the offense. I just if Tavon Young is actually healthy, we might have a really stud additional corner who can't, you know, hasn't been able to show what the Ravens have loved in him for the past two seasons, basically. And he may just be like an extra guy who's the third corner on this team. So much fun! I think this team is going to get turnovers, sacks, give up few points, and is going to help out what is the question marks on offense. 
Yes. So I guess that's the the the, the real. From my perspective, the offense, I think, is going to be more of the same. And that's not entirely a bad thing. The Ravens have had a very productive uh, scoring offense the last two years. Obviously, the yards kind of fell off a little bit last year from what they were producing in 2019 with that uh, record-setting squad there. But I think it's going to be a lot of run, even without J.K. Dobbins. This is going to be run first. I think the disappointment comes from... You know, all the all the offseason talk was that we're going to have this dynamic passing attack. And they've spent, what, two days together in practice with the starting QB and the starting wide receivers? I mean, like, we... Hollywood Brown finally returned to practice on the day we recorded. He's been out over a month. Uh, obviously, Rashad Bateman probably not expected back until the season starts uh, in the first few weeks. Um... Sammy Watkins has been out. Uh, I am just not encouraged. We'll see much differently uh, when it comes to the passing offense, just based on, you know, the, the, uh, I'm just not having the time to build that chemistry in the off season. They just, everyone's been hurt or out and we haven't seen it in a game and they're going to go into week one. And I think it's going to end up being, they have to lead on what they do best, which is run the ball. And that's fine. They're going to win a lot of games like that. But I think people really wanted an evolution of this offense. And I worry that in addition to the receivers, just, I think the uncertain state of the offensive line, which we can delve more into it a little bit, but um, I think those two things, I think the passing offense is kind of going to be where it is. You know, we talked about the really nice play Lamar had. It was Lamar to Mark Andrews. Like, we know those two guys like can connect on passes together, and that's fine. Mark Andrews is a great tight end, but we need literally anyone other than him to, 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 to make difference-making catches, and I just don't know that that person certainly hasn't emerged in this off season, and I, I, I worry that it's not going to happen during the season, and it's going to be kind of same old, same old as far as the Lamar Jackson offense goes. Yeah. The final point is the important one. Um, I don't think anybody has emerged. I just pulled up the box score for the Ravens playoff loss to the Buffalo bills. Oh you ask gosh. why Tim, oh would you subject gosh. yourself to that? I know I'm aware. Uh, here's here are the guys who caught passes in that game. Marquise Brown had four receptions, JK Dobbins, three receptions, Mark Andrews, four receptions, Willie Sneed, five receptions, Miles Boykin, three receptions. Pat Ricard, a catch. Pat Ricard's going to be there. Boykin, who knows? Willie Sneed, call him Sammy Watkins. Mark Andrews, J.K. Dobbins, not there. Marquise Brown. You're like thinking, okay, well, they definitely added more than that, right? Yeah, they signed a guy in the, or they drafted a guy with their first overall pick in Rashad Bateman, who's going to miss time until at least mid September. He's a rookie. He has had no preseason. It's going to take him basically the entire season to catch up to NFL speed, you know, optimistically. And then we're talking about it in year two, full off season. Let's see. We're not talking about this season for Rashad Bateman. Then you expect a guy like Devin DuVernay. I love Devin DuVernay. I've talked about him on this podcast a number of times. I was rewatching the, the highlights of the, the game against the football team over the weekend. They had one or two nice plays where they got him in space to let him use his speed. That's where he thrives. Problem is, it's great on Madden. I can do that on Madden. I play on pro mode, not even all, all pro or whatever it is. Not even Heisman. Wrong game. I haven't seen it enough from him in games, and maybe that changes in the second season. James Prochet. It's the same story last week. Listens to last week's episode. Got to make plays. 
in the regular season. Let's just add that there to that caveat there now, too, if you want. And outside of that, I mean, Tylen Wallace, sure, rookie, but what are we expecting from a Ravens rookie wide receiver, especially a late-round pick like that? Nothing. So for me, I'm expecting very much the same, if not worse, and here's where the worst comes. Is the offensive line going to hold up? This offensive line, I think, will be better than last year. But is it going to be a dominant force? And you know what? This offensive line has to be a dominant force for this team to succeed this year, especially doing what they want to do, which is run the ball. Villanueva, I have not been blown away with. He's been fine, which, you know what? Maybe that's all you need from the right tackle. Great. Uh, Kevin Zeitler, been okay. We're going to see more of him as the regular season gets going. Bradley Bozeman has been fine. Hasn't missed any snaps yet, to my knowledge. Let's keep that train rolling. Uh, Ronnie Stanley, he is just coming back. Now, it's incredibly encouraging, encouraging excuse me, to see him play in that final preseason game. Like, it, I can't stress how encouraging that was to be like, oh, he's ready. Like, that's week one Ronnie Stanley good to go. If there were any he, questions he would not have played a snap in that game. If he weren't like almost ahead of being ready for a week one game, Harbaugh would not have played him in that game. A thousand percent. A thousand percent agree. And then the left guard position, Ben Powers started uh, against the football team, I believe. Obviously, we've seen Ben Cleveland. We've seen, I mean, this will be the biggest shakeup. If you're listening to this after Tuesday, you'll kind of know who made the team, who didn't when the final 53 comes down. But I don't know. Maybe it's as we get closer to the season and I get more and more nervous because this is just naturally how this happens every year. But we talked in the whole offseason of look at the wet, the signings. That Kevin Zeitler signing is a really good signing. Villanueva, okay. It's a guy they got after trading Orlando Brown, which was a fun, you know, whatever. They got a pass rusher out of it in the first round pick, yada, yada. You got to make the move, what have you. But now in the cold light of the regular season that is now shining on us and beating us in the face just 14 days away as we record, as Antonio said. Did they do enough? I don't, I don't know, but I'm almost leaning no in a really sad way. But you know what this means, by the way? That just means, that, like you guys have said, it's nice and warm and cozy. The Ravens are a defensive football team again with a special quarterback, which is very different. But it's a, it's a 17-10 game, 13-10, you know, hell. 14-9 going into the fourth quarter. They keep limiting them to field goals. It's been not break. They keep getting to the 20, but they cannot crack that red zone, damn it. It's going to be a couple of those games, I think, for the Baltimore Ravens this year, which, oddly, morbidly, I am comfortable with. On the offensive line, I agree that they did not uh, get a dominant force. I don't think this is going to be a dominant offensive line. I do think it is going to be a dependable offensive line and a consistent offensive line, which the disaster for the Ravens about two-thirds of the way through the season last year was that you didn't know what you were going to get from three out of the five offensive line spots, and I just think it's going to be so... Just don't mess up is the situation for this offensive line. Do just do your job. Don't have penalties. Lamar will work around pass protection issues here and there. Just snap the ball snap correctly. The ball. <laughs> Zeitler, be a exactly average right guard that plays 16 games. Villanueva, just don't 
forget to block one play. And I think that alone will be such an upgrade, especially with obviously Ronnie Stanley returning and being the anchor of that line. It will just be so much more relaxing to have middle-of-the-road, dependable starters at hopefully four out of those five spots with Ronnie Stanley being the all-pro. As for the weapons, as for the wide receivers, which is a, I mean, almost a disaster at this point based on how few snaps all those guys have played, how much they've played together. My, and this is uh, this is the yin and yang on, on this show, is I tend to push back with a little more optimism. And what I think could happen in a perfect world with the weapons is just if you look at the schedule... It is back-heavy in terms of the tougher games, the tougher opponents, and I think that actually works out better for this Ravens team because they have two months to get into the flow of things with all these guys and get them healthy. If we can get to week 10 and have Bateman in the lineup, have Hollywood Brown in the lineup, have Sammy Watkins with some rapport with Lamar Jackson, then I think the team could make a push late in the year when they have to have these tough December games, when they have that Browns, Steelers, Browns, Packers uh, month of December, basically. So if you can sort of just tread water against the Raiders, against the Lions, uh, against the Bengals and the Vikings in that first half of the season and then gel over as the season goes, I think they could end up having people, A, on the field by the second half, uh, but then also sort of gelled and in sync by that point. Guys, what else uh, What else do you see for this team? I, I'm going to just, I, we don't have to do the over-under section right now, but I will say, looking at the 11 wins, where do you guys sit uh, in terms of on the 11, below the 11, if you had to put money down? If you had to put, you know, a hundred bucks uh, right now on the Ravens at eleven, would you do the over? Would you do the under? The these dastardly people in Las Vegas, Antonio, they know where to set these numbers because eleven seems right to me. It seems that's right around. I think how many wins they're going to go. If I had to pick one side of the fence or the other, I will take the over. I believe in John Harbaugh and the, the Ravens infrastructure and the home, uh, an actual home crowd, something they'll have, you know, this year theoretically um uh and so i i i'll i'll go with the over i do think they can get to 12 wins um and five losses that seems fair given the schedule it is a tough schedule um but i i still think this is a good team and to our point i am high on this defense and i think they can limit a lot of some of the good offenses they face yeah uh it's a hell of a number isn't it because they're you know (laughs) Vegas makes so makes good. these for a reason. Um, and you can probably, I mean, I haven't looked it up, but there are ways where you can bet the exact number. So, boy, would I like to know, what are the odds for betting exactly 11 wins? Uh, that may be something I have to bring on the next episode. Just push, push. Um, <laughs> I, I just did a quick, a very quick tally down, look at the schedule, go win, 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 win. I went 12. I went 12. I love just it. Just over. We you can do this. Prop? You know what the problem is, though? And here's the, my prediction for the Ravens. They start losing a lot of games on that back half. Because, Antonio, you nailed it. I mean, you look at this. It goes, um, Browns, they're going to lose one of those games, and it's going to annoy the hell out of me. Let's just get that out of the way. Browns, Steelers, Browns, Packers, Bengals, Rams, Steelers. 
they're losing two of those games because they're splitting with Cleveland and they're splitting with Pittsburgh. We're just going to take that as a guarantee. Split on the road, win at the bank, we'll be fine, uh, as the great Ray Lewis once said. The Rams scare me, as we'll get to in a minute. The Packers obviously scare me, although both of those are home games. So a quick sketch, and it was very much a they should beat this team. So obviously there's trap games and weird stuff happens, and this is why you don't play this game on paper, obviously, yada, yada, yada. Um, I had 12. I think it's 11. Like, if I wanted to push, and it's so weird. We'll talk about this in just a second when we get to our over-unders. About my brain doesn't do the math on 17. I, I do 16 so well. When you get to 17, which is my favorite number, by the way. Great number. Just for NFL records, completely screws me up. Um, and I think just the final point here, and Jace, I didn't even think about this. So credit to you. That Baltimore Ravens home crowd is something special. I'm sorry. The home field advantage that Harbaugh has with a packed house like that. A bunch of rabid Baltimoreans who haven't been able to go to that stadium and drink Natty Bows until they nearly black out to watch a football game? Are you kidding me? They've been pent up, ready to go for a year. Those guys are going to be nuts. Guys and gals, excuse me. Everybody that's in the stadium is going to be nuts. It's going to be incredible. And you look at some of the home games they have. Uh, they Chiefs, Sunday night. My One of my best friends, Mike Brown, shout out to him. He's a season ticket holder. I think the only thing we've talked about for the last month, is the Chiefs game coming up and how excited he is. We are going on a bachelor party together for another one of our friends to another Ravens game to celebrate the, uh, the marriage of one of our other best friends, uh, Matt Atencio. Shout out to him, too. He is more excited to get back in the bank and say, we're going to beat Patty Mahomes by a billion. Like, that is how <laughs> everybody is thinking right now. You look at some of the other games. Colts at home. We hate the Colts. Everybody hates the Colts Win. Uh, in Baltimore. Win. Thank you. Uh, the Chargers, up and coming. Justin Herbert has to come to Baltimore. Yeah, okay. Have, have fun with that. And obviously, you got the Steelers at home, the Browns at home. And you have the Packers and the Rams both at home. And I should mention, that Steelers game, the, the one at home, is the final game of the season. They didn't screw us this time and make us play at Heinz Field at the very end of the year. So, that home field advantage for me is something that is incredibly important. You can prove, you can try and prove it wrong all you want. All I know is I look at the record for the Ravens under Harbaugh at home, and they don't lose very often. We'll just put it that way. The three, I mean, outside of the division stuff, which you, you sort of break even against the tough teams, the three sort of scare games on this schedule, Packers, Rams, Chiefs, all at home. Can the Ravens take two out of three of those games being that they're at, they're all at home because that's going to change and th- that could turn this record. Basically that could turn them from winning the North to getting a wild card to not making the playoffs based on how they do in those three games. Belief Jace that they could take two of those. Yeah, I, I th- certainly think so. I, I mean, if they beat the chiefs, sky's the limit on what the Ravens could do this season. But uh, I will say personally, I am not, overly optimistic for that game oh oh me neither by the way but, me neither i'm just uh, sharing the thoughts of others yeah well we could go more in depth on that game in particular in a few weeks when the chiefs beat their week one opponent by 50 points who i think is the browns but um but yeah i think they certainly can and i i guess other concern games i kind of have you know miami on a short week uh, jumps out a little bit if you know the tua uh could take a take a leap Miami could be potentially dangerous. But yeah, I mean, Packers at home is going to be huge. 
some of those in Rams, those late season home games, but you know, it's miserable weather in Baltimore late in the year. It's you know, that Steelers games into January 9th, horrible weather in Maryland that time of year. It's going to be brutal cold. Uh, the bank's going to be rocking. So yeah, I'm optimistic, uh, outside of the chiefs that they can win like pretty much all those big home games. Looking at the first half, we've sort of circled all the teams at this point, but I just want to go through the first eight games, eight, nine games. Raiders, Chiefs, Lions, Broncos, Colts, Chargers, Bengals, Vikings, Dolphins. That is one, two, three, four, nine games. A realistic chance. I mean, they will be favored in eight of those. They may even be favored against the Chiefs just because it's home or that line may end up being even. A real chance to go eight and one, at which point we'll be freaking out, and that's when the wide receivers have to come together <laughs> for that for that back half, which ends up being, uh, what was the last one that I said? Vikings. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then it's Dolphins, Bears, Browns, Steelers, Browns, Packers, Bengals, Rams, Steelers. It is. Uh, it's it- a. It's a second half. It might be a little, I don't want to say back into the playoffs, but it might be a little, uh, we'll say the Ravens will fly into the playoffs under the radar because of their perhaps quiet uh, second half relative to some of the other teams that might be out there. Well, it's just, it's very important this year. Remember, last season it was, they got to win out. They got to win out. It wasn't they had to statistically win out, but like, you know, the chips are going to fall where they may. This team needs to win out. And they, they played a crap schedule. They beat the brakes off of the Giants and the Jaguars and the Bengals and, you know, those type of teams. They can't do that this year. You know, 8-1, and one, they, I, I'm with you, Antonio. They'll be favored in those first nine. I don't think it's too much of an overreaction in those first nine to say they need to go 7-2, and 6-3 and three at absolute worst because – Look, the Ravens are great under pressure. We know this. Like, you know, we've watched this team in too many big games over the years, but you cannot put it down to they're middling, they're still trying to kind of find their way, and then all of a sudden, there's that back half Antonio just talked up, and they have to win, you know, 75% of them. It's going to make it tough sledding, and it's going to be something that's going to be, um, you know, not ideal. And like Jace said, maybe they lose like three of five going into the playoffs, but they're still in there, and everybody's like, well, you know, one team to watch out for, it's the Baltimore Ravens and former MVP Lamar Jackson. This is a really, really good take by me, who just recycled it in from years past and years past and years past. And one thing I want to say quickly, I feel like our memory of last season was that it was kind of a disaster. In, in stretches, they lost a bunch of games. Uh, when you come off of a 14-2 and season and you lose five games... It seems like you had serious regression. They lost five games all season. <laughs> Lamar Jackson didn't play in one of them because he was out uh, because of the COVID uh, week. He is still 30-7 and seven as a starter. He has won 81% of his games as a starter, which I had to use a calculator. But in a 17-game season, <laughs> averages out to about 14 wins. Can he get 12? Can he get 13 of those if he plays the full season? Absolutely. I think this team is better than it was last year overall, especially when you look at sort of the injuries that happen in the middle of the season. I think this team can be better. I don't think I've actually said it, but I agree with uh, with the two of you that I would take the over 
on the Ravens and expect them to go 12 and 5 and pray that they go 13 and 4. Uh, anything else, guys? And let's look. You want to? Should we uh, dare we dabble into the postseason? Thoughts well, on this team in the postseason, winning a game, winning more than a game, or is it we'll be blessed if this team uh, is playing January football? I'm just going to go first here. I am not emotionally ready to talk about that. Jace, you're up. <laughs> well, I'm curious what Antonio thinks because he seems very, perhaps a little higher uh, in keeping with his optimistic uh, one on, on this podcast. A little, probably a little higher. I think. Do I dare to dream they make the AFC Championship game? I'm just going to say the Chiefs are winning the AFC again. So, <laughs> I don't bold think, take. I don't think the Ravens are going to win the Super Bowl this year, but I, I, I think there's pieces for them to make their deepest run of the Lamar era. If to Antonio, what Antonio's kind of harped on, if the receivers can get back and they could get anything different, I guess, going through the air than what we've seen from this team the last two years. If they can be a little, just a little bit more dynamic, they can certainly knock off a Buffalo uh, in Buffalo if they have to, you know, the Titans again, the Browns, it's going to be those kinds of teams, uh, perhaps the Chargers. Um, I think it will ultimately come down to uh, the Chiefs get that number one seed. Remember, there's only one seed still, which is incredibly annoying. One bye week. Um, so I, 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 I think the Ravens could get two playoff wins, but I, I, I don't see a Super Bowl or an AFC championship in the cards this year, um, just given some of the, the problems we've talked about. Yeah, I, I kind of agree, Jace. They'll win as many playoff games until they have to face Kansas City. That's kind of where I would put them <laughs> yeah, this season. Yeah, where does that happen at? That's kind of, I think, what adds it. <laughs> the, the potential extra pro here is that we've seen Lamar Jackson for several seasons. The man is 24 years old. He is still getting better. He's still growing. He still can get more comfortable. He could take a leap this season that we still haven't seen in terms of the passing attack, regardless of the bodies on the field, just with his improvements. You know, there's the BS stuff that he's looked great. He's got a tighter spiral worked on his mechanics. Great. Flacco, like, worked on his footwork eight different off seasons, and then we never really saw it when the regular season came about. So we'll believe that stuff when we see it. But he's still one of the most dynamic players in the NFL. So if he takes even a step, not a leap, because he's, you know, he's at a, a certain level already. If he can take a, just a regular step up in progression... Uh, at this stage of his NFL career, they could make some noise. Hope that the Chiefs lose a playoff game before they get to uh, before they get to the Ravens, and then that will sort of help out in that sense. But yeah, I kind of have them uh, trying to be as as rational as I can. Maybe winning twelve, thirteen games, winning a first round playoff game, and then unfortunately having to face the Chiefs uh, like off of their bye, and that's just a whole disaster in Kansas City. So that's kind of where. Uh, where it's, I see this, this Ravens team. It's just so annoying, though. I don't know if this is a what's bothering Jace, because there's got to be so many people that would paint that scenario you laid out, where the Ravens win a home playoff game and then lose to... Which would be... Off, if they win the division, which I think we all think they're going to, um, but if they win the division and win a home playoff game, that'd be their first home playoff win since 2012. It's been a while. Um, and... If they then went and played and lost to Kansas City the next week, just how insufferable 
and annoying Twitter and sports talk radio, the shows, how how annoying they'd all be about, oh, the Ravens have a Chiefs problem. It's like, yeah, okay. They lost to one of the best modern teams in the NFL. Like, what? Well, I don't know. It's at a certain point you're like, is that a failure of a season? I guess you could argue that, but I, I, I wouldn't think so. But that, that would be the whole conversation, and I'm already dreading it. You know, six months from now. <laughs> and so, quickly before we get to the over unders, then it seems like if all three of us have, I mean, kind of the over at right around twelve, does that mean uh, AFC North champs? Why don't we run through our our predicted? Uh, standings of the AFC North. I have the Ravens, I'll say 12 and 5. Uh the Browns right behind them at 11 and 6. Uh maybe another 12 and 5 from the Browns, but the Ravens take both of those games again and win the tiebreaker. Steelers, I have them dropping a little bit. I can't have Tomlin have a losing record until he has a losing record. So 9 and 8 for the Steelers. Uh and then the Bengals Winning as many games as they can while Burrow is still alive. So six and eleven. That's what I have for the Bengals. So Ravens twelve and five. Browns eleven and six. Steelers nine and eight, missing the postseason, and the Bengals at six and eleven. How do you guys see the AFC North? I pretty much have the exact same records as you. Minus I'll go five and twelve for the Bengals. But I, I have the order. It's the it's it's the betting order uh, in terms of the favorites um, is, is Ravens, Browns, Steelers. Uh, Bengals. I just, I'm not a Zach Taylor believer. I don't see a leap coming for the crew in Cincinnati. But yeah, as much as we bag on them, Cleveland's a good team and they're going to make the playoffs. But they're going to lose twice to the Baltimore Ravens and that's why we will win the division. Um, that that's, uh, that's my prediction. Two wins over the Browns. We did it last year. Why not again? It's the first time I've heard Jay say that we won't just split because that's usually what we all say here. On we'll Pilot split against Raven. the Steelers, even though they will be worse oh. than the Browns. <laughs> I can't. There's no bone in my body that can put Cleveland any higher than third. <laughs> so they're going third. Call it a gut thing. Call it a. I've heard too much. I've heard too much. Call it spiteful. Call me hateful. Tell me I need to see a therapist. Tell me, dude, just figure whatever is going out in your... Whatever's up going on up here, figure it out because there's some problems. That's fine. I am totally willing to admit that. This Cleveland Browns team has been hyped up to a point that people think they're winning the Super Bowl. People think the Cleveland Browns are going to win the Super Bowl over the likes of the Pittsburgh Steelers, over the likes of the Baltimore Ravens, over the likes of the Kansas City Chiefs, over the likes of Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's not happening. I'm sorry. And you know what? Baker is the kind of guy who looks like it's going to get into his head. I really, truly believe that. I could see him having a disastrous season. I could see them panicking with OBJ coming back and not just giving the ball to Nick Chubb, which is what they should be doing the entire time. I could see... Jadavion Clowney, remember that was supposed to be the great signing. Oh my God, they just signed Jadavion. He's going to be on the other side of Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett, stud, absolute legend of a football player. You know, bashing somebody's head in with a helmet. Probably not the right move on his part, Certainly but a great legend. play. Uh, they'll be talking about that one for years to come. <laughs> that is true. It depends on how you take the word legend. I will completely agree with you there. I'll recede my previous point, but. I have Baltimore 12 and 5. I have Pittsburgh 10 and 7, Cleveland 10 and 7. Pittsburgh gets the tiebreaker and then Cincinnati 5 and 12. Again, 
I had to like triple check these because the math is just uh, ne- nearly impossible. It to do. feels so wrong. It's I, I hate it. I hate everything about it. Um, I, I just I think there is something to the fact that it, if there's a team that everybody is talking about, especially a team that is let's just call it what it is cursed, that they are destined in a way to underperform. And something tells me that's going to come with this Cleveland Browns team. It's going to start by, as Jay said, I'll go 60 points that the Kansas City Chiefs drop on them in week one. And then it turns into, what's wrong with Cleveland? And then they rebound after like a nice win over some other team. And then every time that they face an opponent who is competent in the slightest, they lose. And it just becomes this problem. OBJ starts and complaining. And I just think it's going to be, I, I don't know. Call this wishful thinking. I don't see it with this Cleveland team. Yes. Am I going to get incredibly nervous watching the Browns games with the Ravens? Absolutely. Because I talk all this crap. I don't want them to disappoint me. I'm going to have to come on here and talk about it the next week. That's terrible. But I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't see it. Maybe I'm just annoyed with all the hype, but there's something about this Browns team that it's almost too good to be true. And I think that, you know, it's going to turn the other way this season. If, I put on my purple tinted glasses. I guess one of the things I see, Tim, as the big difference between the Ravens and the Browns is, and it gets talked about a lot and it might be corny, but, you know, the word culture, right? Uh, The Ravens have a winning culture. They have guys who have won the Super Bowl on this team. They know what it takes to win championships. They just have a standard and a, you know, a level of how the Ravens do things that maybe the Browns will get there, but they're still so young in their process. You know, this team went 0-16 four years ago. Like, they're, it, it takes a while to build a, a championship core, a championship, like, mentality. And that, you know, championship mentality, you don't have to win the championship to have that, right? The Ravens have it in a while. But they have a way of doing things in Baltimore, a championship coach, and just... I, I just trust the infrastructure of the Ravens so much more to to to, to manage when things go bad. I, I trust John Harbaugh to figure it out more than second year coach Kevin Stefanski. It kind of is what it comes down to, you know. Harbaugh's a man in his late fifties now. Stefanski might not even be forty yet. So, uh, you, you know, I, I I just I trust John to to guide the ship, and I trust some of the veterans the Ravens have, and I think in the end, just kind of the culture they've built is going to lead to success. And that's why they will win the division over the Browns. You heard it here. Baltimore Ravens, your 2021, 22 AFC North division champs. All right, guys, we're going to do some NFL over unders. Now we're going to preview the, the Raiders game next week, by the way, for the listener, we have one more episode to get in before the Monday night opener. So for now, still looking at the, uh, the season long, uh, predictions, and we're going to do some over-unders that we like. What do you guys think? We each, I have three, I think we all have three uh, teams that we like. Do we want to do uh, one each and rotate, or just have all of us do our, our three and then move on? I think we should rotate, and I'll, I'll, I'm, I'll go with one that is a little weird, because I know we're, we're all kind of on the same train with a lot of these, um, as we, you know, we, we take copious notes here on Pod Like a Raven, so we do kind of know where everybody else is going. So I don't want to steal the thunder, especially, I mean, Antonio is the man in the know with this type of stuff. So he is going to have way better analysis for me. So I am going to pick one that's a little bit off the radar to kick this off. Teddy Two Gloves and the Denver Broncos are winning more than eight and a half football games this year. That defense 
has the stuff to possibly be one of the best teams, uh, one of the best defenses, excuse me, in the NFL. I know he went 4-11 with the Carolina Panthers last year. I understand that. I think Denver, another place you don't want to go play up in Mile High with full fans back. Uh, the weapons that he has out on the outside, Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler, Noah Font, um, uh, number 12, I can't remember his name now, Cortland Sutton, number 14, Tim Patrick, I believe, number 12, who's a guy that like would be the Ravens' number one right now, but he's like their fourth guy <laughs> on this on their roster. They are loaded, and they just need a guy to distribute the ball and not turn the ball over. You know who can distribute the ball and hopefully not turn it over? Teddy Two Gloves, Teddy Bridgewater. Drew Locke threw too many picks. I think they made the right call, named him the starting quarterback. And for me, I look at their schedule. It's eight and a half. They've got the Giants. They've got the Jets. They've got the Jaguars. They've got the Bengals. They've got the Lions. They've got the Eagles. And they've got the football team on their out-of-division opponents. That's seven games right there already. All I need is two more after that. They obviously have two games against the Chargers, and they have two games against the Raiders. They split that those two. I already have my nine wins to make that money. So for me, I think the over on the Denver Broncos. And, you know, I keep shouting out friends in this podcast. Maybe it's just because I love my buddy Phil Schmidt, who is a massive Broncos fan, and I just want them to be good again. But for me, I look at this, I look at that number and I look at the schedule and I just go, there's nine wins here. They're absolutely a nine and eight football team, in my opinion. The only concern I have, I, I like that pick. The weapons are annoying. It's like, why can't we have one of those? But then I realize most of them are very early round picks because this team has not been great for several years. The concern with Bridgewater, can he stay healthy for 17 games? Are, are they a quarter of the way into the season and Drew Locke is back out there throwing picks to unknown defensive players? But I do like that there's so much talent, there's so much depth Uh I think if he's if Bridgewater plays seventeen games, then I think you do hit. I think you do hit that over. And he played fifteen last year, so you know, looks like he might be able to do it again. Uh, I'm going to give one team that I like here, and it is my top pick. I'm, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm not going to save it for last. It's a number that I I'm almost skeptical of, and it scares me a little bit. But it just seems impossible that it doesn't happen, and that's a perfect way to gamble. It's the Titans at nine and a half wins. I'm taking the over on nine and a half. This is a good playoff team that has to go ten and seven, where the foundation is all there. Tannehill still there. Derrick Henry. There's been so much talk that Derrick Henry has had too many carries, too much of a load. He's gonna he's gonna break down at some point. He will, but it hasn't, like, I'll believe it when I see it. Like, let him have a bad season first, and then I'll, I'll talk about how this was. If he has half a good, half as good of a season as he did last year, he's a thousand yard back, and this team's going to win games. They added Julio Jones, which, whatever. The talk of Julio Jones. Oh, the guy hasn't been healthy in years. Yes, he has. He was, please look at his numbers. He was hurt last season. He missed half, about half the season last year. In 2019, he had 1,400 yards, 99 receptions, and he played in 15 games. I, he's going to be okay, and he's the perfect weapon for them. He's a playmaker. He had those 1,400 yards when he was 30, so it's not like, you know, in theory he should have been over the hill then, too. He's going to be fine. He's going to have a good season. Their defense was bad last year. They added Bud Dupree from the Steelers. We know him. 
They added Danico Autry. Both of those guys had, I think, seven and a half and eight sacks, respectively. They added Janoris Jenkins on the backside as just a dude. They kind of did the thing that the Ravens did with the offensive line. Let's just get pros at these position that, positions that we had really bad players. And then finally, they play in the AFC South. They get the Jaguars twice. They get the Texans, who will be the worst team in the NFL, twice. And they get the Colts, who are hoping that their bad quarterback is healthy in time for the start of the season. They play the Colts in Week 3. Wentz may not even be playing in that game. I have no idea how the Titans don't go at least 10-7, and 7, but more likely go 12-5 and 5 and crush this over 9.5. I will be trying to legally uh, make a financial investment in the Tennessee Titans at over 9.5 wins, and I advise you to do the same, even though I think you're like technically not supposed to tell people to do that with gambling. but <laughs> Responsibly. If, if, if ever there were an over to responsibly enjoy, it's over 9.5 for the Tennessee Titans. I love that one, Antonio, and we'll get back to the AFC South because uh, I have some thoughts on uh, those teams. But uh, for my first pick, uh, I'm not going to go too complicated. I'm going with the over 12.5 for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they are the best team in the AFC. Uh, they play, uh, they draw the NFC East this year uh, and as well as the AFC North. So they're certainly beating the Bengals uh, and the, they're going to beat all four NFC East teams. And they've dominated their division recently. I looked it up. They haven't actually lost to the Broncos since 2015, uh, the Chiefs. Um, and I imagine that's going to kind of, you know, keep up. Maybe the Chargers take one. Maybe the Raiders take one. They did last year. But it's just hard to not envision, like, are the Chiefs going to lose more than four games? I don't really see it. Uh, they improved the one area they were probably weak on last year. Uh, with a little help from the Baltimore Ravens. And, uh, you know, I, I think they're going to be really good. So I'm trying to not make it too complicated. I think over the over 12 and a half seems it's a lot, but I think they get 13 wins fairly comfortably. Yeah, quick thing here. I wanted to look at the Super Bowl loser curse uh, in terms of their win total being lower and then realized if they double their losses from last year to this year, they'll cover 12 and a half. So, I, uh, yeah, they only lost two games last year, so I think that's a, yeah. a solid, and one was a they solid choice, their, Jason. They sat their starters the final week, so Mahomes was 14 and 1. Uh, yeah, I, I. it's not exciting, but it seems like a safe play to me uh, for the reasons you mentioned, Antonio. <laughs> All right, well, if I'm back up with my second pick, honestly, we're doing this in... Round Robin style, especially with Jace going right before me. I didn't think this one would be sitting here, so I'm going to take it anyway, and you guys can expand on it. It's a team who is below, in terms of these win totals, the Cleveland Browns, the Niners, who are coming back and have questions at quarterback, the Los Ange- and the Los Angeles Rams. They are sitting below these teams. They are expect their over-under total is 10 wins. 10-7 and seven is a push for the reigning NFL MVP Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. So here are the cases against it, I say. They play the NFC West. They play the AFC North, two of the toughest divisions in football. They also played the Kansas City Chiefs in like that 17th game that we add in. Probably the toughest 17th game they could have gotten. Let's be real, but we got to have that beautiful color, that jersey matchup, because Aaron Rodgers couldn't do it in the NFC Championship again. So here we are. They have to force it into the regular season. Okay, tough schedule. That's fine. 
They went 13-3 and each of the last two years. Are we forgetting this? Are we not remembering that Aaron Rodgers is great? Oh, yeah, but that let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, he's really pissed this year. He was really pissed last year, and he won the MVP. That's part of the reason he won the MVP is because he was upset. This time, it is his last ride. He knows this. They have given him every single out in this contract. Devontae Adams wants out. Aaron Jones wants out. This team knows it's the last chance, last dance for this version of the Green Bay Packers to go and win a Super Bowl. And you're telling me you're putting the line at 10 and 7? 10 and 7? Are you high? Like, they are going to win more than 10 games. I'm sorry. It's Antonio, if you want to piggyback on this and take this pick as well with any of the analysis you have, fine. I look at that and I'm just going, and this is how Vegas gets people. I understand that. My first... In two weeks, I'll be there for the first time, and I'm sure I'll come back losing loads of money because I'm going to bet like this. This just looks too easy to me. This looks like, as former Raven Orlando Brown would say, E-Z money. They hate the Packers, and they have. The same <laughs> thing happened last year, Tim. We, had, we, like, we need to rewind this. and have, We had the same conversation a year ago. They had just gone 13-3. and three. I think the number was 9 last year, or like 9.5. And it and we took it, <laughs> we took it in the preseason episode, and they then won thirteen three again, uh, thirteen games again. They are running it back with the team that was number one in the NFL in terms of points scored. They averaged almost thirty two points a game, and they're just gonna have the same formula. The only way this doesn't happen is if Aaron Rodgers doesn't just get hurt, but misses a gigantic chunk of the season. If he misses four games. I think they can still cover this number. Uh, it'll be a sweet opportunity for Jordan Love to show that he was worth such a high draft pick. I absolutely love this number. They have an extra game, by the way. We've been saying this over and over again. I think 14-3 and three is a realistic situation. 13-4, and four, great. They cover that number by November, and, and you're just sort of watching them in December throwing money around your house. I love the Packers, Tim. Yeah, I mentioned it. So the schedule is tough. The schedule, it's the NFC West, AFC North, and the Chiefs. All of that is tough. Fine, I'll give that to you. The other games they have on their schedule, they have the Saints. Uh, I'm trying to find quickly the other two extra teams they would play. You know what? It doesn't matter because my point is, outside of those two divisions, they have the NFC North, the division they play in. They they play the Lions twice. They play the Vikings twice, and they play the Bears twice. That's six of them. They're going to beat all those teams each and every time. I'm, so, I'm sorry, NFC North fans. You, know, you probably know this already. Motor City Dan Campbell ain't rolling in here and knocking the Packers off the stoop in year one. It ain't happening. Neither is Justin Fields, and we know Kirk Cousins ain't doing it. So those are six wins in the bag for you. All you need is five more over the rest of the season. Lock it up. Lock it up for Green Bay. Yeah, that's like literally what I was going to say, Tim. They've dominated, similar to the Chiefs, but even more so, they've dominated that division, especially when Rodgers plays. Um, Yeah, it almost seems like they set this line when they weren't sure uh, if Rodgers was going to be back, but that never bothered to change. (laughs) Because the team's almost the exact same. You know, they lose Corey Lindsley, their center. But otherwise, I think the entire, the rest of the the other four guys on the line's back. So they have a great offensive line. All the receivers are back. Aaron Jones is back. The defense is basically the same, except they sub out Kenny King for uh, 
their first round pick. Uh, I forget who it is, but the, oh, Eric Stokes, I believe, from Georgia. The Not guy, Rashad Bateman. Yeah, the the guy who got burned uh, by you know Scotty Miller in the NFC title game. He's out. They bring in a first round pick. It should be a very good team. And even like you said with the Rogers relationship, the thing like he had a problem with is like management. By all accounts, like him and Matt Lafleur get along fine. So like it shouldn't I. It shouldn't really impact what they do on the field. He has Rogers didn't miss a second of preseason camp, so <laughs> it's very confusing. I yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with you guys. The team, the team that went twenty six and six the last two years, I think is gonna win at least ten games this year. But what do I know? I guess. But yeah, I think that's a pretty safe lock. And even the argument that I made that Aaron Rodgers would have to miss a lot of time. That's just about every starting quarterback in the NFL. If they <laughs> if they if they get hurt for multiple months, the team's going to do badly. So that's the you know the point exists. If he plays, they're going to be just fine. Uh, my th- so I have them. I have Green Bay as one of my three, and then the final one is we've talked about them. It's the Ravens. I can't I can't stay away from you guys, Ravens. I just I love you so much. There are two games on the schedule outside of the the division. Uh, that are the scare games in the Chiefs and the Packers. I think you go 4-2 and two in the division. We've talked about how much we like this defense. We've talked about Lamar still being Lamar. He wins regular season games. Not only do they win, they cover a lot. They beat up the bad teams. They're going to continue to do that. If they win a couple of these tough games, being at home for all three of them, I think this team goes 12-5, goes and 13-4. and four. So that's my third over. Got three overs this year. Titans over nine and a half. Packers over ten. Ravens over eleven. I love those two under or uh, those two overs, the Titans uh, and the Packers as well. I think those are probably pretty safe locks. But just in the spirit of giving us some other stuff to talk about, I will go round out my picks with a pair of unders from the AFC South. Under nine from the Indianapolis Colts, uh, a team that has to play the AFC uh, North, or no, excuse me, they play the uh, NFC West and the, who, why can't I figure this out? Who they this play? is research on the fly, ladies and gentlemen. I know. Uh, this is the good stuff. This is what you're here for. Well, either way, it's it's a very tough schedule for uh, the Colts. And to, to what Antonio said, we don't know, Carson Wentz, uh, the day we record, got added to the COVID list. Uh, Eric Fisher, their nominal left tackle, had COVID. He tested positive for COVID. Um, and he's coming off an Achilles tear in the AFC title game. Um, so who knows? Like, it was not certain their left tackle was going to be healthy uh, for the start of the season. Um, and the, Quentin Nelson ended up on the COVID list. There's just bad vibes. The Colts have one of the lowest COVID vaccination rates in the NFL. I think it's a lot of faith in Carson Wentz, who hasn't shown in several years that he's good. Um, And it just seems like a high total and a lot of faith in uh, Frank Reich. And for the record, AFC East uh, is the other other team the Colts play, uh, other division the Colts play. So that's, you know, Buffalo. A New England team I think we all think is going to be better um, than they were last year. Um, And a solid Dolphins team and what you know for what it's worth should be an improved Jets team Colts should win that one but I think an under but I think an even greater lock uh for an under from the AFC South is the Jacksonville Jaguars who coming off a 1-15 season have 
been installed with an over-under of 6.5. 6.5. I think that's an easy under. I think Trevor Lawrence is great. It's not an easy schedule. As we talked about, it's, you know, it's it's AFC East, again, <laughs> and the NFC West for a team that went 1-15. That's, I think, one winnable game against the Jets, and they should lose all the other games in that and, and they'll lose, they should lose twice to the Titans. Like, <laughs> you start running out, of, you start running out of teams. They're bro- they get the Broncos, is who they draw. And, like, they're across AFC. Like, that should be a loss. I just, I don't, I don't get it. And they play the, um, the Atlanta Falcons as their 17th game. But, it, it, so that, like I don't think they're going to go one and fifteen, but they're going. This team's going to win seven games after going one and fifteen. Travis Etienne, one of their first round picks, is already out for the season with a foot injury. Um, you know the line is still not great. That Trevor Lawrence is behind. There's a reason this team went one and fifteen. You know, like it wasn't all Gardner Minshew, who's now on the Eagles, so we might see him getting some action. Him and a. Joe Flacco and Jalen Hurts in that motley QB room in Philadelphia. But, like, Gardner Mitchell was not the reason the Jacksonville Jaguars went 1-15. This is a team that was rotten to the very core, and now Urban Meyer's going to parachute in after, like, never being in the NFL, basically, and lead this team to seven wins. I don't see it. I think I'm saying Jacksonville Jaguars under 6.5. Lock of the year. <laughs> Lock it up. It is. And rep- <laughs> Go ahead, Tim. I was just going to say, reportedly, before before I give my final one, I'll let you go, but reportedly, none of the players like Urban Meyer either. They're, <laughs> yeah. like, they're already on the outs with the guy, and the season hasn't even started yet. He was a tyrant. That's his deal. <laughs> He's a tyrannical college coach who controlled every aspect of his program in college, and you can get away with that in college. You can't, you can't do that in the NFL. So I am not high on the Urban Meyer era. I, I predict that we have an Urban Meyer mistake in, like, September – that he's something he doesn't know about the NFL that ends up costing them a game. Jace, the number is baffling, even with Trevor Lawrence. The only thing I can think of is because of the hype of Trevor Lawrence, people bet bet it so strongly that they made they sort of inflated this win total to keep the the number to keep the bets sort of accurate. It is insane for that team to go from one win to seven from one year to the next, even with a great quarterback when there's just no talent around him and Boy, that running that that they drafted in the first round is also out for the season. That's a great point, Jason. I have one final pick before we wrap this up here. So Denver over 8.5, Green Bay over 10. That's way too optimistic. So let's go under. And a team that I looked at too, Jason, I went, okay, this number seems a little high. Maybe it's the whole 17-game thing, so let's try and figure this out. And then I go and look at the roster. I can't name a single offensive lineman. Maybe one. Uh, they just lost a star wide receiver. Their quarterback is fine. But it's not where that, that's not where the problem is for the Atlanta Falcons. This defense is horrible. Absolutely horrific. And the line for the Atlanta Falcons is seven and a half. So they are expecting eight and nine, a middle of the road, eight and nine for an Atlanta Falcons team that on this roster or on this schedule, excuse me, Let's just list out some of the opponents. The reigning Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, twice. The New Orleans Saints, I know with Jameis, still a very good organization and team. 
twice. That's four losses. Even if you don't think they're going to lose all four of those, maybe they lose once to Carolina, you take a win, one of their. It's four division losses. The football team. I can't believe I'm saying it. Way more solid, especially defensively, than the Atlanta Falcons. And this is not even a joke. This is an actual fact. The Miami Dolphins, same thing. The New England Patriots, the Buffalo Bills, the San Francisco 49ers, and the Dallas Cowboys. Right there is 10 losses. That's 7-10. and 10, And that's before we even talk about any games against you know inferior opponents that they might lose to, whether it's the Giants or whether it's the Eagles. Maybe Zach Wilson lights it up for the Jets in one particular game. Like Any of these could happen. Motor City Dan Campbell has the boys rolling on Boxing Day here of, as for Lions-Falcons at 1 o'clock on December 26th. I'm sure I won't be watching that game. Tim, that's your most... You just surpassed your most soccer reference no, that you've ever made. Just an immediate Boxing Day poll. Boxing Day is the day after Christmas for my our American listeners, which is pretty much everyone. Shout out the guys on the UK Ravens podcast, not those guys. You look at the defense, though. Grady Jarrett is, is the guy on this defense, and he is just fine. Outside of that, I, I legitimately, I'm not even going to go through it for the joke. I'm looking at our lad's depth chart for the 2021 season. I can't name a guy, and I'll just end it with this. The running backs, they're starting running backs for this team. Can either of you name a starting running back for the Atlanta Falcons right now? Gurley either was there last year, but I don't think he is anymore. It is not Todd Gurley, because <laughs> the Ravens are looking to bring him in. Antonio, any guesses before I wrap this? Anything? Uh, I have, I have no, no idea. idea. <laughs> okay, your two starters, Mike Davis and Cordero Patterson, are the two starting running backs Wait a minute. for this Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Number 84 running back. The numbers are all weird now, remember. This team, there's no way this team is winning more than seven games. Lock under seven and a half. I like it. I like it. I like it. For the listener, you have two weeks to, to find somewhere to put these teams in. And then, of course, at the end of the regular season, we will recap our picks. And it's going to be nine winners, even though I guess there was some overlap with the Packers. So uh, eight winners uh, when, we, when we look back on the 2021-22 regular season. That's all we have for right now. I'm going to run through the Random Raven one more time, and then we're going to get on out of here in one of our longer episodes. But there's so much. There's so much to talk about, and there's so much excitement about the upcoming NFL season. All right, for the Random Raven. He played for Baltimore for four seasons, from 2002 to 2005. He was drafted by Baltimore in the second round in 2002 out of Notre Dame. Played in 57 games, starting 54 for the Ravens. He had 144 tackles. 23 tackles for loss, and 14 and a half sacks with the team. He was consistently rated in the top 10 in AV, which is a, what, a approximate value through a pro football reference in his three seasons with the team, and then he was hurt for about half of the fourth season. He played three more seasons for the Texans, starting in 44 more games. He wore the number 98. And I'm going to say the bonus clue now because I do think... Jace, have you, um, have you put it together? Oh, you had a name, right? You had I a name, you're just so, not sure about but it. but I think if I might... Yeah, I could use the bonus. The bonus certainly. clue for Jace and the listener. This random Raven is currently on the Ravens coaching staff. He was an addition to the staff this year. And he loves it. Great. So far, seemingly. He loves the Ravens and the Ravens love him. Tim? I think Jace is still... Uh, yeah, I don't know here. that that helps me. <laughs> I was to say I wanted to give him <laughs> I wanted to give him a chance because this man was not on the Ravens staff this past year. 
We talked about him on another staff where he was, okay. I guess, sort of impressing. Um, this man is Anthony Weaver. Okay, that's the, that's the name I had as well. Uh, it took me a while, though. That is the random Raven for this week. Anthony Weaver, who at first glance was a guy that the Ravens had for four seasons, but no, he was one of their more productive players for the first three years on the team. And then just in classic Ravens fashion, after that rookie contract was up, he went over and played uh, played with the Texans, but started a lot of games for them. So yeah, Anthony I, Weaver, I who think I was also convinced we had to have done before, but we had not. <laughs> so that is the random Raven. I think that's what threw me off, Antonio, was how productive he was. Because I didn't get it until like the number, and then like the Texans, I think it jogged because I was like... It's like Texans. I was like, didn't one of the players who went to the Texans become their DC or something at some point? So I, I it took me a while to get there, but yeah, I I, I remember Anthony Waver. He was around certainly. He did things, but I didn't. I the, the level of production kind of compared to some of our guys where you know we thought they had more production recently, like your, your Ed Dixons and your Mike Andersons in recent weeks. Like this guy actually produced and did things. <laughs> And is currently the defensive line coach and run game coordinator for the Ravens. So, good for him. (laughs) He's got a lot of meetings to go to, I assume, uh, during the week. All right, guys. Anything else? Any tidbit? Any sort of last prayer? uh, Last Hail Mary for the Ravens as uh, as they embark on this 2021-17 game season? Just can't wait. (laughs) Can't wait, in the words of Bart Scott. That's, That's perfect. All right, we'll be back next week to do our official week one previews. But for now, for Tim Horsey and Jace Evans, I'm Antonio Barbera. Thank you so much for listening to us here on Pod Like a Raven. Excited for a new season. We will see you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.